Matthew 21, verse 1 to 11. Shall we hear the word of God, the triumphant entry? Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the tree and spread them on the road. And the crowd that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Here ends the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. Praise the Lord. The Lord has prepared our Father, Reverend Dr. Fredegbe, to bless our hearts this morning with the word of God. Hallelujah. Oh, shall we do it better? Shall we do it better unto the Lord? Yes. And it's the same hope for you that you will go out, touch someone in the name of the Lord. Crowds aligned the narrow street to see this man from Galilee. Just a carpenter, some say, leading fools astray. Yet many kneeled to give him praise. And in his eyes, they glimpsed the power that sees the hearts of all. And he comes in the name of 
have fallen through When all my strength is almost gone When there's nothing left to do But just depend on you And the power of your name And when we call upon that name His strength through our weakness to show We can know the Father's will extend you. Uh, okay. I attempted introducing her in the husband last weekend. He made sure he dodged me again this week. But that's Mrs. Professor Kataku. Thank you, Professor Esther, for being a blessing to us. Amen. This morning I got here before 8 o'clock and I walked in here. There were about 5 or 7 people here. And there's a man who always preaches to me when I come early. So today I asked him to preach that sermon to the church before I preach. Deacon, Alfred, oh, Godfrey, 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 not Alfred. Oh, he's, he's not going to preach. He's not preaching. He's going to ask you some questions. I don't know what he has to say. Uh, you, you have questions? Uh -huh, okay. Good, good morning, church. 
I've been in the country for about five months and I chose to worship here because I started with Calvary Baptist about 40 years ago. I'm 62. You see me like this? But please, please, to the church, when I joined the church, um, I have my intentions to leave because I can't associate myself with Christians who profess Christ but are always late to church. I'm always here before eight because when I came, I was told the church starts at eight. But please, if we want to be Christ-like, if we want to be Christ-like, it bothers me so much that time, time, I don't know, we Ghanaians, we take time for granted. But it's so precious that just a second of a time could make a difference for a Christian to talk to somebody before they go to work, before they go to the market. But if we are always late in everything we do, should we bring it to church? My family came. I've invited a whole lot of Grace Baptist Church members from New York. And when they come and we come to church, all they say when they go back, we are not on time. And it hurts me. So I bother the pastor, talk to the church, just come. And especially I'm bothered, I don't hide my feelings. The choir, you don't come early. People come to listen to you for that and that alone. But if you don't come early, every time by 8.35, about six people. I keep counting every day I'm here. But please, let's make a difference. I'm saying this for all of us. Let's make a It bothers me. Because I'm a deacon from a place that you have to be there. 15 minutes before church starts. Let's practice it. It's doable. Thank you. Hello, church. Hallelujah. Remember on that day, uh, Godfrey, he called his by name sake. Let me just change that part of the, of the sermon. Remember that day, Jesus told the people, if you won't listen and let the people praise me, who will speak to you? Stones. He's not a stone. He's just telling you what he has observed about us. And the Lord is also observing us. And I thought instead of preaching that sermon, let him who has carried this burden share it with us. Today when he asked me and we turned around, there were about three, four, five people. I said, aha, the man has got the topic to preach again on the Palm Sunday. But before we do that, we'll also continue. The children, I have a nice sermon for you, which is part of the sermon. I know the time is gone, but I will be brief and short. Today, today, Palm Sunday was the day Jesus demonstrated the drama of being a king. And he did it for only one day. He couldn't stand this world. And the world couldn't stand him. King for one day. King for one day. Let's see the video. And then I'll make a few comments about how it applies. A lot of the things that we've done today. Amid already shouts preached. of praise and the waving of palm branches, All right. Jesus triumphantly entered into the city of Jerusalem. 
This event marked the beginning of the most significant week in human history. Understanding the historical setting of this singular event can teach us of the ultimate mission of the Savior as the Lamb of God and the true King of Kings. To better understand the importance of the triumphal entry, it is helpful to first understand its correlation to the Feast of Passover or Pesach. Passover was the first of three major Jewish feasts celebrated each year. The feast was to commemorate the deliverance of ancient Israel from bondage in Egypt. According to Exodus 12, the Lord commanded Israel to select a lamb without blemish on the tenth day of the first month. Once selected, the lamb was then brought into their homes to live with the family for the next four days. On the eve before the start of the fifteenth day, they were then to kill the lamb, smear the blood on the doorposts, and share together the Passover feast. If they did this, the Lord promised that the destroying angel would pass by them and spare the firstborn of the home. Every year afterward, Israel celebrated Passover to remember the great deliverance from bondage. In addition, the Jews at the time of Jesus were looking forward to a coming Messiah, who would hopefully likewise, during Passover, deliver them from their Roman oppressors. With this background in mind, let's study the events of the triumphal entry. Shortly before Passover, the Savior began his last mortal journey to Jerusalem. Like Jesus, hundreds of thousands of Jews were also arriving to celebrate the feast. With the city swelling beyond capacity, many would have camped on the Mount of Olives and surrounding areas. Jesus chose to stay in nearby Bethany with the family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, whom he had just raised from the dead. News of this remarkable miracle spread like wildfire. The promised Messiah had come. As the Savior and his disciples climbed over the Mount of Olives, with the temple glistening in the morning sun, the people cut branches from palm trees, waving them excitedly, and laid their garments on the ground to cover his path. The significance of the timing is unmistakable. According to the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the day Jesus entered was the tenth day of the month, five days before Passover. This would mean that on the very same day that the Jews were selecting their Passover lambs, Jesus, the true Lamb of God, rode into Jerusalem and was symbolically chosen by the people. Also, just as the lambs would be brought into the homes of the people to stay for the next four days, so too Jesus came into his Father's house, the temple, and taught for the next four days before his death. This act of worship by the Jews during the triumphal entry fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah which stated, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your King is coming to you! He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Sadly, as the week progressed, the Jews saw that Jesus did not come as the conquering Messiah they had hoped for. They realized that Jesus would not bring them the political deliverance they so desired. Yet they did not understand the true deliverance he would bring through his atonement, death, and resurrection. Only five days later, 
some of this same crowd who had previously shouted praises at his arrival would now shout for the death of the Lamb of God. Often we are faced with the same question as these Jews in Jerusalem. What type of Messiah are we hoping for? One who will immediately free us from all our challenges and trials? Or are we humble enough to trust in the Lord's timing for redemption? In essence, we all have our own personal Exodus story, a story where we are in spiritual bondage and can be released only by the blood of the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. We each have the opportunity daily to select Jesus Christ as our Lamb of God and allow Him into our homes. When we lay down our all before Him, as the Jews laid down their garments, shouting Hosanna, we choose to accept the Savior, seeing Him for who He really is. Only then can we, like ancient Israel, be spared from the destroying angel of death and sin and enter into the Promised Land because of the triumphal entry, death, and resurrection of the Lamb of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is such a familiar story that I thought a visual aid will help us know the context and also summarize seeing what the Lord did. But I'll just make a few points. Nelson Mandela is quoted to have made some very, very important statements. It says something. Action without a vision is only passing time. Vision without action is merely daydreaming. But vision with action can change the world. This is supposedly a quotation by Nelson Mandela. Our passage for today actually will end on verse 14. But I'll just highlight a few things that Jesus said and did that day. He had come as a lamb. He had come to sacrifice he had come to connect us to his father. But people did not get it. He spent most of his time in Galilee preaching. For the sake of understanding the geography and therefore what he was talking about. If he was preaching in Galilee, it's almost like somebody who is preaching around. Maybe Suhum or Jerusalem is a small country. Suhum or maybe Kumasi, not that far. Or Nkoko. But when the Jews want to do a big thing, the religious thing, they move to Jerusalem, which is Accra. And when they have their festivals, like the way we have everything, Ghana, the Enoani, Accra, everybody comes to Accra. So if you have anything to show that you are somebody, you came to Accra to come and show. Now, Jesus on that Passover, after preaching for two, three, almost three years, and the people were not getting it, he chose to boldly declare himself as the king of kings. He had a vision, he had a passion, he had a mission to change the world, but the people were not getting it. And he had to give them one more chance to allow himself to be crowned the king, to dramatize what he was all about. And lo and behold, that was the only one day that he survived it because Soon after that, he didn't survive. 
In fact, that is what has made me say some of these sacrilegious things that I thank God that I'm not God because if I were God, I would die. I would have died myself long ago. Because what Jesus saw on that day and what they did to him is mind-boggling. Let's note a few of them quickly. First, Jesus celebrated the Passover in Jerusalem where all the Jews would do their big things. <laughs> but look at this. The king who was about to celebrate his kingdom was at the mercy of benefactors. Somebody had to donate the donkey and the colt. Some people had to put their clothes down for him to be on. And today, if you call him the king, he's asking you, what are you doing for the spread of my kingdom? Look what type of king is this? When kings are going on parade, when they tell you the kings of this world, what they spend on parade, whether they went to Volta region or Northern region or Ashanti region or Black Star Square, when you see the budget, you will collapse. It will give you a haircut. When you see a king that is dead, you will see. But Jesus chose benefactors. Secondly, he chose to ride on a donkey. And pastor has prayed that prayer for us again. Not the horses and the chariots that showed the flamboyance. But he chose for them to understand that he's the king of kings. But then he heard the loud hosannas and the other pleas that people were making. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He heard it. Save us now. You see, uh, Justice Amegacha, you remember one of our lecturers who used to say this. I haven't said this in a long time. He was a king or a chief and they used to carry him in a palanquin. And so when they are carrying him, some will shout, Nanao, Nanao. And others will shout what? Abuao, Abuao, Nanao, Abuao. And for him, since we were carrying him in the palanquin, all that matters was what was at the end of it. Nanao, Abuao, what is at the end? Oh. So, people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, save us, save us. King, save us, Hosanna in the highest. Not on earth. He understood clearly what their intentions were. If he is the king, he is coming to overthrow the Roman government. And now we have the king. Save us, kill them, slaughter them. Kudita, we'll follow you, rebellion. Ragtag army, we are here for you. We day for you. Eh? You think this is the first time these people saw veranda boys? The veranda boys were there. The Goro boys were there. They were all there shouting. Because he knew what was in man. He just had it. Nanao, Abuao, he took it clearly. That somehow they recognized that he is the king. It doesn't matter what their intentions were. Jesus is not fooled by us. Even when we come and we pay for full respect to him in church, whether we come to steal or kill or do all those things, he's not deceived. He was not deceived, but he's telling them, I have the final say. He heard the loud hosannas and they are pleased, but he knew their true motives. He knows our motives. He's God. Then, isn't it amazing that he spent his last day in the temple? In the account of Luke, he came down from the Mount of Olives. It's a mount. You come down, you go to another mountain called Mount Zion. So when he was coming down the mount, he could see the temple very clearly. 
and he wept over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I would have loved to rescue you and keep you like a mother hen keeps her children. If you knew the kind of things that will happen to you, you follow me. You accept what I'm giving you. But they didn't. So when he climbed down the mountain that day, and they did all the things that he did, they did. He ended up still in the temple. Because the temple at least was dedicated to God, where people could come and hear what God had to say. There were marketplaces in every place. I mean, there were place places. I remember this joke. Well, it's not a joke. Remember when we, we first went to Israel, there was this priest among us. So they asked us to go and tour Israel. And he was so happy. We went to the market. When we came back, then he said, ah, look, there's a pickpocket. He picked my pocket. He said, where did you pick it? He said, I'm sure they pick it at Damascus gate. Then somebody asked him, what do you think, where do you think you are? He said, I'm in Jerusalem. He said, do you think Jerusalem is in heaven? No. You went to the market. Damascus gate is a market. And they pick your pocket because you had forgotten. What I'm saying is that there were markets there. There were thieves there. There were armed robbers. There were all kinds of people there. But at least those who thought they were religious, where did they go? They go to the temple. So he did not necessarily go to the market to spend the time. The last three, four days, he sat down there. He went there to preach and to teach. And two things happened there. Two things happened when he went to the temple. For some, he showed them that he did not see their sacrifice. He did not see what they were about. Because for some, the temple was a place where they actually cheated people. If they were now coming to sacrifice pigeon and sheep and goat, then they had rackets and mafia who decided that you should buy the, the, the sheep stamped by Rabbi Ben Fred. That one will cost you 20 pieces of silver. If you don't like that, you buy that one, Rabbi Ben Washington. That will cost you maybe about 25 because he's younger. They had all kinds of rackets where they sold things to people. And if they come and they look at the ear of the sheep that you are coming to sacrifice and it's not good, they would not take it. Have you ever gone to hospital with a scan, with a lab report? Say, where did you get this from? Why did you go to this lab? Why did you go here? Why did and some of them when they make their money there, they come and give fat offering in church because God is promoting their business and they are all telling lies. Between the doctor and the, and the lab operators and all who operate like that, they are thieves sometimes. It's not because the lab report you brought was not good, but because you didn't go to the right place. 2,000 years ago, people were doing that and they appeared in church. When Jesus saw them, ah! For the right price, the lawyer will change the crime. For the right price, like pastor was praying this morning, the chief executive will not execute the law. He will not. He would not. Because it doesn't help him. So whether government policy will work or not work, there are all kinds of in-betweens. This is not the law that God gave them. He said if somebody is poor, you can go to the temple and sacrifice pigeon. So when Jesus was being dedicated the parents to pigeon. But by the time the man had become 30 years, that pigeon had to be a certified and approved and anointed pigeon for a price. And you had to even change the money. 
The money has to be fresh bank notes from the bank of Jerusalem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Charlie, I don't want to be carried away today. You, you, you get it. Tricks test. And he found them in the church. So what did he do? Look at 21. 2. Give me 21. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seeds of those who sold doves. His power suddenly came. You know, there are times you can get angry, holy anger. The adrenaline was flowing. Super anointing was flowing. Flowing to discipline. Wham! 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 There's one thing I know. When you are on the right path and you are anointed by God to do the right thing, your enemies cannot stand your wisdom. They cannot even stand your physical strength. Hallelujah. They cannot. So they could not stand him because the mission with which he came, the holy anointing with which he came, was said that they couldn't. You see, and they knew. They knew they were doing the wrong thing. So they couldn't fight him. How can one man beat the people in the temple? They ran away. He turned the tables because he wanted to establish that. You have made my father's house. A house of what? Thieves. And he called spade a spade. They were liars, thieves. They come to church late, but they, <laughs> but they come anyway. And they come. I know people, were, let me say it. <laughs> I know people come to church and the church is nothing but meet me there. Meet me there. They'll tell their father, their mother, you're coming to church. They're coming to meet their boyfriend, girlfriend, do business across the mall. They don't come to church for any good thing. Except a lie. Jesus knows them. <laughs> Palm Sunday. This is Palm Sunday. The Lord we serve is not blind though. He doesn't need any CCTV. He went through this three, four days. But in the temple also he saw some other people. Who had come there? Who were they? For all this, for all this, he showed pity. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Hallelujah. They came because that was a house of mercy. That was a house of healing. That was a house of deliverance. So whether it was physical blindness or spiritual blindness, whatever the limitation was, they were welcome. But some of these people would never make it to the front of the line because they didn't come with the fresh, fresh banknotes. They didn't have all those things. But what did he do? He healed them freely. Spoiling some people's business. Abba. Some of them, he didn't even touch them. Hey, go, anointing. Go, in Jesus' name. May that deliverance flow through us today in the name of Jesus. Freely have we received. Freely shall we give to glorify his name. And this was the people, they were just jumping. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My friends, there's one thing that we should know about Jesus. This one, one of my professors never ceased reminding us of this. All these things that Jesus was doing, there was only one result. Either they allow him to continue or they'll do what? They'll kill him. Because he was now spoiling the job of the archbishop, spoiling the job of the chief priest, spoiling the doctors, Siloam, spoiling the tax collector's business, spoiling everybody's business. And on top of that, telling them, you have made my father's house a den of robbers. Who wants to go to a den of robbers? If they tell you that you, when you go to Shashi, you go and worship there, you are going to a den of robbers, will you come? 
<laughs> the building that we have invested in. Ah! And then you won't come, you won't come. Ultimately, there will be no collection, no offering. The pastor will not be paid. His children will not be paid. Electricity bill will not be paid. He was headed for trouble. But today, when the blind came and the lame came in the temple, he healed them. And the establishment had always tried to kill him. In the corners, the establishment. But now they had the opportunity. There were four different occasions. They tried to kill him. I just go. They set traps for him. Should we give to Caesar tax? If you say yes, it's yes. If you say no, you're in trouble. This woman has committed adultery. Somebody committed adultery with a stick or a what? They brought, they brought the woman alone. Shall we stone him? Shall we stone her? Where's the man? He interpreted. They gathered stones to stone him. John 8, 59. And he vanished. He could vanish because that was not his time to be killed. Jesus was not about to be killed by heart before his time. Some of you take some uh, uh, risk and you want to die before your appointed time because you're going to go to... He said, I'm not about to die now. So he vanished. You see? He was not about to die. He was not about to have cheap popularity. So he vanished. They told lies about him. That this man said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They said all kinds of things. But he didn't mind them. But this last one, what happened that day? Finally, he said, this man, this man, this man, by riding on the donkey, by accepting all the tributes that were given him, by even saying that if you stop these people, stones will talk, it means this man has agreed that he's the king of the Jews. Treason, sedition, firing squad. He is now making himself greater than Caesar. He's leading a coup d'etat. And he did it where? Publicly. This is not in some cuckoo, some village somewhere. He did it publicly. We all saw it. Because in Jerusalem, the population increased from about 300, 600,000 to about 1.2. And they could all hear the Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they went to the temple. Those who were saying, yeah, you see, even when I tried to correct him, look at how he beat me. Look at how he beat me. Look at my back. Look at my back. They were glad to show their bodies like some Ashama culprit. Oh, look at me. Look. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you okay? Are you okay? Okay. Friends, that's why, he, that's what he did. On Palm Sunday, he showed his courage, his purpose, and his mission. Remember what Mandela said. But vision with action can change the world. And that singular vision, not a vision that he bore because of some grandiose ideas. If you wanted some grandiose ideas about what he can do, then in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil told him, jump! From the pinnacle of that same temple and the angels will carry you if I were him. That's the time that I would have jumped popularity and nobody will have anything to say about me. But three and a half more years, he's still declaring his bravery and teaching people to get it. Today, how does this apply to us? Let me go through that quickly. One, what is your response to the king today? Today is Palm Sunday. You are here. Today is triumphant entry. You are here. Today we are declaring that Jesus is king. 
He was king for only one day and they couldn't stand him. Why would they be able to stand him? Because the things that he was saying were not orthodox, were not pleasant, were not acceptable. Do you accept him or do you reject him? If we're in the crowd, what would you do? You reject him today by ignoring his word. He has said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Is that the life we are leading? You reject him by failing to grow. Hebrews 5. So some of you, you have heard and heard and heard and heard. And instead of growing, you are still babies being fed with milk. Moving to and fro. I know you are writing it down to go over it again. You crucify him by backsliding. Prayer time, you won't come. Giving time, you won't come. Whatever you want, that's what you do. The latest fad, you do it. That's why you reject him. And he said, no, Lord. I don't want to be that. See, I've told myself, let, let's, let me preach some theology. There's some professor of theology sitting in front of me here. You see, for those who think that by being Christians and being activists, they can change the world and the world become Christian. You haven't read your Bible properly. We cannot change the world for Christ to come. And even when he came himself, with all due apologies to Christ, he didn't change the, the, the world. Because man has free will, and human beings must freely choose to serve God. That is why I sympathize with politicians. And I tell people that before I went to university, I had two ambitions. One to be a lawyer, second one to be a politician. After being a pastor for three weeks, I was killed that I would never be a successful politician. Because even in church, people tell lies. The point is this, no politician can change anything or anybody, they can't. But if you want to make a difference, and that is the difference we must make today, let me suggest five things to you. That shows that Jesus is the eternal, eternal king, he's growing in you, and you are growing in him, and he's the king of your life, not king of Ghana, king of Judea, king of Rome, king of anywhere, but king of your life. Because that one, you can work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because he is at work in your life. One, you know that you accepted him as your Lord and Savior and your body is the temple of God. Hallelujah. How do you treat the temple? How do you treat your temple, your body as a temple of God? Think about it. When Jesus was angry with the people in the temple, what did he say? House of prayer. When he finds you a man or woman of intercession, a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, praying for people you know, praying for situations you don't know, praying about Ukraine war, praying for your leaders, those who lead you, those who mislead you, those who abuse you, those who do not abuse you. He said, no, this child is like me, it's like mine. Because you know something, even on the cross with all those people who were doing those things, I know most users said think word on them. What was his prayer? Father, forgive them. You don't know what they are doing. The love, the love that saturated him. Three, when he finds you that you truly are somebody who worships him in spirit and in truth. You are yearning to worship God in spirit and in truth. When you do the wrong thing and you are rebuked, you say, Lord, I repent. Lord, all my desire is to worship you, is to be true to you. That when you come, you'll be happy with me. When you tell the lie, say, Lord, I didn't do the right thing. When you give a tip instead of a tithe, oh, Lord, forgive me. 
Lord, let me do the right thing. You are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Number four, when he finds that you have a lifestyle that is so attractive to the lost, they want to know who your Lord is because of your testimony, because of your proclamation, because of your love, your kindness. It's not because you are stupid, but because you tell the truth in love. You're asking Christ, what is it that could make sinners come to you? That they do not change you, but you change them. What is it that will cause Nicodemus to come to you, but they do not change you, but you change them? Part of the problem we have with Christians in this country, and I don't care, I mean, I say it, that helping Christian organization, there are some people who come, oh, General Secretary, please help us, help us. What is the meaning of help us? All they want as leaders of churches is that they want diplomatic passport, they want to go to VVIP lounge, they want uh, exemption for cars, they want this and that. I say, my friend, you think this is what I'm here for? Let's go this, let's tell the truth, let's say this to government, let's do this, let's help the poor and the needy. Say, why? You all this thing that you are talking about, who will take care of us? I say, oh my God, Ichabod, Ichabod. So they will not even respect you because you have nothing to say to anybody. If you have a lifestyle, the lifestyle that can cause the Nicodemus to come to you. The master, we know you always tell the truth. May that be the anointing that you receive. That your lifestyle is like that. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Finally, in your stewardship of your gifts, your talent, and everything that you exercise. God will say, wow. Just see, you know, not too many secular professors, if even they have a, the gift of singing, come and stay in a church and sing it like that. They would have crossed over to make some millions of money long ago, particularly when they say you are rich a certain age. So I'm talking about your talent, your gift, your money, your opportunities. Do you use them to praise God? Jesus was a king only for one day because the establishment could not take him. But he can be king forever in your life and in my life in our church. If we Allow him. Because the first fool, they say, is not a fool. But the last ones who hear and who do not comply face a stiffer judgment. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit help us do the right things. Not only this day, Palm Sunday, but always. Amen.